Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. Welcome to the Harlem Podcast. I have Rory Walsh with me tonight. I suppose, Rory, how are things? Great now, Mark. Yourself? Great, great. All good. Thanks. Look, we have an action-packed agenda tonight, don't we? I mean, we'll review last weekend. We'll have a quick review in terms of Crow Park, the finals that went on, in terms of Christy Ring, Laurie Marr, Mickey Rackard. We'll also look at Sunday in Turles. We had the minor hurling final and the under-20 hurling final. We'll have a quick review there. And obviously the main topics of discussion tonight will be the Munster Senior Hurling Championship final between Clare and Limerick and also the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship between Kilkenny and Galway. I suppose before we start here, Rory, be remiss of us not to pay tributes to Teddy McCarthy. His sudden uh, death has really kind of shocked the sporting community as a whole. But, I mean, what a superb player. I'm just thinking the 1990s. Terms of that double All Ireland winning Cork hurling and football side, but my God, uh, you know, shocking news this week. Oh yeah, very shocking. And Kirk goes out to the family down there in England. Look, it was an iconic name for us growing up, eighties, nineties, and it's probably an achievement that might never ever be done again because uh, we've seen the demands now of intercounty hurling and football. So to achieve it in the first place was massive because it hadn't been done beforehand. Yeah. And uh, there are only very few counties with the capability of winning, you know, this, both of Ireland's in the same years. And to have a player capable of playing in both was incredible. And I just thought it was nice thing somebody mentioned during the week that if you asked Teddy McCarthy and said he was the only guy, he always mentioned Dennis Walsh, who Cork at the time didn't give medals to subs that didn't appear in the final. Indeed. Which has changed completely now. So if, you know, if if, if the 1990 All-Ireland took place this year, Dennis Walsh would have won both as well. So I thought it was that was nice that I always mentioned him, you know, as I've really been talked about as the only one. Look, yeah, but I suppose the fact that it hadn't been done in the, up until 1990 and hasn't been done since, and as you mentioned, uh, dual players now is like, it's, it's you know, it, it's become it's become almost impossible, if not impossible at the minute. We've seen with Lee Chin, who tried his hand at it, and just, it, it's, it's not... Yeah you know, uh, in the capabilities of, of a human being anymore with the, what's required. So he may go down as like, you know, the the only one. And that's some achievement. And um, yeah, to, to, to go week in, week out, hurling and football. And I know that back then they didn't have the round robins and all that, but still like some achievement. And also for Sarsfield as well, the years he put in with his club, um, not just himself as a, as a player, but afterwards as well, being heavily involved in the club down there and the McCarthy family below in, in Clamire, you know, are synonymous with the club as well. So um, down in Sarsfield. So look, it, it, it's a sad news. And uh, I'm sure with the week of the Munster Championship as well, it's kind of, you know, it's reverberating as people, you know, it's first thing you associate with Teddy McCarthy is the Munster final days. So, you know, for the family that, you know, that um, these things are sudden and everything as it was, that you know there is a monster final coming. It's something that you know, as I mentioned there, that synonymous with, with Teddy McCarthy is a monster championship and monster final. Absolutely, no deepest condolences to Teddy McCarthy's family, many friends. I think the stories that are coming out in terms of you know the personality, really, even after playing, has just been phenomenal. I do remember one time when I was in Alfred Plunkett Street in an establishment and. Uh, who walked in but Teddy McCarthy, I thought the president had basically walked in. He's just literally Cork sporting royalty. So I think to be fair to Teddy McCarthy, the leaps, the midfield, the box to box, particularly in football under Harlan, he was always good for a score or two. I mean, my God, you know, it's just a, uh, he was a phenomenal talent. And as you said, you know, really that elusive elite club 
in terms of getting an All Ireland senior hurling in football in the same season, given the commitment now. I don't think that'll ever be done. So he's a unique player in the history of the GA Association. So deepest condolences to his family, friends, everyone, Glenmire and Cork, we're thinking of you at this time. I suppose uh, Rory will move on. I um, mean, Crow Park last Saturday. We'll just maybe kind of have a quick review here in terms of three cracking finals. Uh, Christy Ring final. We also had the Nicky Rackard and the Laurie Marr. I mean, there were some incredible storylines here. Rory, I'm thinking of Monaghan securing their first ever Intercounty Hurling Championship uh, final win and a thrilling win against Lancashire. Wicklow, who I'd kind of seen in the club action with Bray Emmett's against Moline. Saw an awful lot of potential there in Morehouse and a few others. Got the better of a very gallant Donegal team. And also Jack Regan, Mead, getting getting ahead right at the end against a, a very gallant Derry. Again, there was nothing in between these teams last weekend in Crow Park. I suppose a few thoughts there, Rory, from your perspective? Yeah, the one thing that struck me was how close all the games were. So it kind of shows the structure is right. And you're ending up with two a very competitive final, which is always a good sign of a competition. If you ended up with a team, you know, winning by 20 points in uh, one of these finals, you know, you're kind of looking at maybe the wrong team, but in the wrong division and the whole thing, you know, they'd be looking at uh, reassessing the the tiers in it. But it just shows that, like, you know, that when you have competitive finals, it does capture the imagination. The teams that don't make the final want to be there the next year. They see the big day out in Crow Park and uh, it should inspire more teams. One thing as well, like, let's be honest here, the standard has increased across the divisions and across the tiers over the last few years. And that has to go down to the level of coaching going on. Um, probably more so at senior level. I don't quite know if they're at the development stage with development squads and a lot of these, uh, you know, what, 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 we, what we'd view as weaker counties for hurling or areas, you know, that, where football is pred- the predominant sport. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, it's without doubt the centre has increased. And just um, even for me there to kind of hold on at the end um, with kind of a dairy onslaught coming back to them in the second half. Um, and you'd have to say, like, uh, fair play to... Shorsha Bulfin um, from Brough here, who's uh, probably, you know, uh, d- did a good apprenticeship in LIT with Davey and uh, um, has been around as well. Like, and everywhere he's gone, like, as well, there has been success. And for him to make the commitment to go up and down to meet when I'm sure, like, there would have been offers closer to home. And it's just a sign that he saw something in that group last year. And now next year they can look forward to the meet, West Meet, Derby. <laughs> West Meet probably didn't see themselves in that situation two weeks ago, but... It is uh, something I'm sure Meath were gunning for uh, when they realised Westmeath were going to be Joe McDonough, probably giving that extra bit of motivation. Uh, we have to remember as well, Derry, like you're without Brendan Rogers and a couple like Slack Neil guys um, who are stars in the football team who are possibly, you know, two or three of the best hurlers in Derry. And it just shows like Derry hurling is strong. It's getting stronger. And you just hope that like the county board there keep putting the resources in there and that hopefully like they can, you know, get themselves up towards Joe McDonough as well because again they're not far off it like and if they can um just strengthen their squad one or two more players probably all they need um just to get up there and um once you're up at that higher level then as we've seen with other counties like once you're up there it kind of brings things on like as we mentioned last week Kerry have been Joe McDonough now is it six seven years they've managed to stay in there and have been basically top half top three and the fact that just playing against even those teams the likes of Leash coming down from from um, Lee McCarthy, Westmeet next year. Antrim have been up and down as well. It's definitely going to bring those teams on, the higher level you're playing at. More so than in league, where there's a lot of shadow boxing, you're talking about winter hurling often in January, February, um, to be to be playing in the summer against these top teams, you know, or 
teams that have played Lee McCarthy experience as well, like it's going to bring them on. So, yeah, look, overall, as we said, uh, fair play to those teams. And it was just great to see close finals. And um, it, there is like there's hurling strongholds in each of these counties. Like we know from, as Mark, you mentioned there, like Mona Lean got a, you know, a right battle off Bray Emmett. Absolutely. And there's no reason why, you know, an area like with the population there, the likes of Bray, um, Arklow, trying to get hurling into like the, where the population is in Wicklow. And get the proper coaching into the secondary schools there as well, and and keep it going through. There's no reason like why, let's say Wickler now can't go on and be competitive in the next division next year as well. Absolutely, no, I think it's that's a huge win for Wickler Harlan as well, as well as for Monaghan as well. I mean, they're premier kind of all Ireland crown in Crow Park, three twenty two to three twenty against Lancashire. I think that was the pick of the games really for excitement and goal thrilled action. And to be fair. An awful lot of good storylines there. My only hope here is that the GA authorities really do showcase these competitions a bit more next year. Even if they're on YouTube channels, if they're not on GA Go, give the accessibility to actually show these guys, like said, the Morehouses here, the Jack Regans of this world, because they're phenomenal hurlers here. And I mean, it was really showcased to full effect in Crow Park last weekend. So my congratulations to the winners for... The, the losers here. I mean, it's plenty of motivation to come back next year and really kind of kick on. Uh, so, I mean, uh, all the best to everyone and look, culminates uh, those competitions. I suppose, Rory, well, let's get to Turles then. We had the doubleheader last Sunday. Uh, the minor hurling final, we'd really hotly anticipated from Six Mile Bridge. You'd really called it last week in terms of how clear we're going to basically tackle this Galway juggernaut. And to be fair, like based here in Galway, I think there was a sense here in Galway that this was a team to really follow. But fair play to Clare. I thought, you know, middle third was superb and uh, fully merited their five point win. Yeah, and it's like something we pointed out last week was the spread of scores Clare have had all the way through, that they weren't reliant on one or two talisman at any stage in the championship. And like, so for example, we mentioned if if it can happen at underage teams where you have players... Um, Nyland there who are Nyland who is doing like the bulk of the scoring for Galway and there's a lot of pressure on a, a young lad going into a final like what would happen if he was ever held and he was marked out of it with you know either he was off form or well man marked as as we saw the last day and uh, who would step up then and look just at underage sometimes um when you're in a position where there is a guy who's doing the bulk of the scoring and suddenly that that avenue is closed off that's when you you know panic might set in slightly in a team and I was just hoping from a Clare point of view that if Clare could, you know, get the grips with, with Nyland and we saw Rabbit had a good scoring in the semi-final as well and get the grips with Rabbit and stop that. And I know Rabbit got the first goal, um, you know, reminiscent of his father, Joe, caught a ball edge of the square and, you know, a bit of panic in the Clare backs and, and look, finish it to the net. Um, but after that, he got one more point. I think it was kind of, you know, yeah. uh, he was free out by the sideline, took the score very well. But he, from that moment on, he really didn't have an impact on the game. Nyland looked threatening throughout. Um, I know he won a couple of frees and stuff, but still he was nowhere near the danger he'd been causing. So um, their hats have to go off to, of course, Owen Gunning again, who was a phenomenal performer all the way through. And last year, he was one of the star performers when he was, let's say, 16, a year younger. For So for him to continue on and perform at the level he did, um, both semi-final and final. And real modern cornerback, serious pace, loves to get out in front and then can get up the field and take a score as well. So we mentioned there, Clare had 12 scores again at the weekend. It's a serious spread of scores for a minor team. <clears throat> and look, it, it just means that you've scores coming from different players. It, it, it's it's a huge plus for, for an underage team to have that. So yeah, maybe Galway, who had been coasting through so far, the huge win in the semi-final like, couldn't have been 
mightn't have been too good for them, let's say, yeah. you know, considering that a lot was kind of talked about them then and they hadn't really that tough battle. And I think I heard from Clare management afterwards, Brian O'Connell, who did a great job with Clare, Donald Maloney as well as there in the background. Lots of good guys in around this team as well, Chair Hickey. Um, and just one word coming from was that they were thinking if they can bring this to a battle with 10 minutes to go and have Galway on the back foot where they hadn't been all year in a final, you know, it's difficult to claw it out, whereas Clare had been clawing out results in Munster. So I think that was a factor too. But yeah, it was overall, I thought, uh, a really good performance, real composed stuff as well. Yeah, I thought saved their best performance to last year, Rory. I think the Munster Senior or the Minor Championship has been nothing short of sensational this year. So many quality games. Galway, on the other hand, have really gone through Leinster pretty much unopposed. You can maybe counter that. Could Kenny maybe give them a rattle for maybe 40 minutes in Leinster Senior or Minor Hurling Final? But I mean, as you said yourself, it's nothing better than being battle hardened down the stretch. And really know your capability of the team. And I thought Claire, middle third wise, take away the start and the end of this game, really did control affairs. And as you mentioned here, gunning, my God, what an amazing prospect here for Claire going forward. Yeah. And another thing as well, it was not just with gunning, Ronan Keane, fullback, who um, from Kilanena, who had been, I thought, watching Claire in the round robin, had been a serious performer, like athleticism, everything. Uh, You'd want from a modern day full back against Cork up in, in Six Mile Bridge. He's particularly br- brilliant that night, like got an almighty score where he thundered up the pitch. Claire lost him just before half time. And you're wondering with the threat Galway had at full forward, you know, was it going to be a major factor in the second half? But it just kind of showed the confidence of Claire that nobody panicked. Matthew Holland kind of came in full back there for a while and did fine there, you know what I mean? And at the, it was at that stage when Claire could have panicked and seen one of their leaders gone off injured, but instead they came out and thundered into the third quarter. And that was really when the game was won. And like it's since 1997 was the last time Clare won a, a minor. So you'd imagine like the pressure might be on Clare thinking we don't get here very often. But if anything, the play seemed to be playing without, you know, any doubts in their ability. There was all every time Galway got a goal, Clare responded with a couple of points as well. So, yeah, I, I actually at the end, that last goal at the end kind of made scoreline look even a bit closer than it was because I thought Clare were convincing winners on the day. Absolutely, because I was speaking to a few of the Galway backroom staff in Clarenbridge on the Sunday. It was quite clear, look, they were unanimous. I mean, the better team won on the day. You know, lessons learned. You know, they'll probably take the case study of Limerick Miners back in the, a few years ago to really kind of take the lessons and move on here. But I think Clare, for me, their ability to create scoring chances, particularly in that third quarter, Rory, was just, I thought, outstanding. Just the shot selection, the setting up of the right player at the right time. I think Mark O'Brien as well was super on the freeze here. Hegarty as well, Collins. They all really chipped in with vital scores here. And I just thought half-back line really did clean up here, particularly in that third quarter, and really did suffocate Galway as an attacking threat. Yeah, and it's just great to see for, for a conveyor belt point of view that for the last few years in Clare, we were kind of looking at our six backs hadn't really changed in, in a long time. And you're kind of wondering, you're looking at the depth and, and the subs bench in the Clare senior team in the back line. You know, you, you were kind of hoping like a few more would come out. And then this year we've seen Adam Hogan, who's gone straight into the senior team and like has just like gotten stronger and stronger as the Munster Championship has gone on. We'll probably spoke, speak about him a bit later. And then you have like out of the six backs there who as a unit were just excellent. You have, as you mentioned, Gunnin, Keane, O'Halloran and Hegarty at centre back. Like, um, you know, so there it all seemed to be, uh, as I mentioned, that kind of a, a backs coming through of serious talent. Now, 
gap between 17 and maybe 21 years of age, it, they're four important years as well. And as we've seen, like, you know, no more than from Galway themselves, follow, following up minor success with senior success doesn't come easy. Even like, I suppose, we had the famous Clare 3 in a row 21 team and all that came from it was that one senior in 2013. So like, All-Ireland senior is a different thing altogether, but we'll take these moments. We don't win them very often. It's our second All-Ireland minor, so we'll, you know, we'll celebrate it. And uh, it is great to see what a turnaround in a few years. Um, Clare were, were in a position a couple of years ago, Munster under 20 and Munster minor, where they were struggling to win games, any game. And now we can see that, you know, it doesn't take long if you get things right underage and get the right people in, you know, for things to turn around very quickly underage. And look, fair play to everyone involved. And uh, even strength conditioning-wise as well, we can see a huge difference in players. And uh, Rob McCahey was in there at S&C overseeing everything for the for the development group. Like, he has he uh, made a huge difference in the role. And um, look, it, it just it, it points well to the future. And the 20, to under-20 team as well probably gave Cork their best game in the Munster final. And this without Adam Hogan as well. So, uh, look, the future is looking bright, but let's hope the seniors can uh, add another step to it at the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I suppose the transformation here from a minor program perspective from Clare, I'm just thinking back on that Cork Clare Round Robin game in about two years ago, wasn't it? The 40 point loss. I mean, for a hurling yeah. program, you know, where do you go from here? And I'm thinking of Waterford right now in terms of the under-20 and minors, you know, that there is inspiration there from particularly a Clare perspective where you can really revitalise, get the structures right, get the right people involved here. And I mean, I think it's a magnificent story. I think it'll inspire an awful lot of counties, uh, particularly a minor level, to really kind of go at it, hammer and tongs next season. But I think massive congratulations uh, to Clare on that. Triumph. I mean, Galway, look, they have a great crop of players here. I think they'll learn from the experience. You know, like, look, Aaron Nyland here, 472 in the championship. First, second, Mark O'Brien from Clare, 344. I mean, future's bright there, likes a rabbit here as well. But I think they'll learn massively from that experience as well. And look, it all is building, isn't it, to under 20 and senior and trying to get a few players on those senior panels in a few years. But yeah, congratulations to the banner. And I suppose here, Rory, the final game here, I mean, there was a massive crowd from Offaly, massive crowd from Cork as well. There was a really good atmosphere in that game in Turles between Cork and Offaly. I thought, you know, Offaly gave as good as they got. Adam Screeny, I thought, absolutely outstanding first half, but credit to Cork. We've called them a juggernaut before that third quarter. Definitely with Mullins' goal, you know, it was just inspirational stuff from the captain and they didn't really look back, did they, Rory? No, and once they kind of got that gap, it, you just didn't really see them being pulled back in. Once they got that four or five point gap, um, it was hard to see Offaly. Um, I thought the biggest difference was just the physicality of the two teams. I know Offaly and, and Leo Connor stressed it afterwards, the amount of players Offaly still have underage. And but this car team as well, even some of their biggest guys are underage again next year yeah. as well. They're going to be like this is the the minor team of two years ago coming next year that you mentioned that gave Claire that that you know beaten there a few years ago. Um, I think it was forty points. Like that's next year's car team. So like you know they're going to be feared again next year. But um, I just thought Offaly after a great start, the crowd were with them. There was players responded. They they were up for the occasion. It didn't bother them that they were you know. Just a lot of them just out of minor, like you saw the way Screeny, he's just electric every time he gets the ball, the crowd, the buzz. Offaly were able to play that space in front of him and Cork adjusted really well. They dropped like they, they dropped a player to cover that space in front of Screeny. Normally, like when you drop a player, he goes in centrally between centre back and, and 
full fo- full forward line, but Cork cleverly like made sure that they covered that area with wing back coming back a bit deeper and and they cut off that that green space when Offley looked up and looked for the space from screen, it was no longer there. And it took him out of it. Also, as well, you'd have to say, like Cork were as we saw with this team in Munster, they were on the edge physicality wise and got away with a couple of challenges in Munster that you know became debates of whether they were a red card or not. And there was another one here, like very early on, that was like absolute definite red. Yeah. And I would say that if referee here, and in one way, a, a player is going to get away with as much as he can with a referee and a team are like, you're going to push it right to the edge of what you can do. So it's up to the referee in this case, I think, to protect players and protect the likes of the screenies. Like they're the players that we want to, you know, to excite things. And I, I just thought that the referee here, like in the first half, when these hits were going in, you know, was, was extremely lenient. It, it suited them. Cork knew then that their the advantage they had physically, like they could actually use that. And and by God, did they use it? But this Cork team of serious hurling as well. They're not just uh, as we saw with you know Ben Cunningham and uh, Healy as well. Like they just have um, really good forwards. Ross Sullivan as well, real knacky corner forward. They just have serious talent all over, and they're striking uh, incredible, like ball to hand. And but again, like they do have that physical edge to them as well. And like if if that's if that's one of the strengths of your team you use it but um when it goes over the edge it's up to the referee i think to, to step in yeah and it, so that was my only gripe with it and look they were were they the best under 20 team this year they were but you do want the likes of the, your adam screenies your raven hills you want the talented players protected out there and you don't want to go out if you're over coaching a under 17 or under 20 team you don't want to go out and be fearful that like some of your your best players aren't going to be marked out of it but maybe taken out of it you know so yeah that's just something going forward again refereeing issue to be honest yeah just again an inexperienced referee at that level as well and all Ireland final having to make that early decision and again mm-hmm. his umpires are there literally looking straight at it and not really giving the feedback i think we've mentioned before here rory even if it was a case of having experienced match official behind the goal here if you're going to appoint an experienced referees to give them experience, yeah, fair enough. But they need that backup. They need a support mechanism here. You could have two experienced match officials there alongside the umpires really to kind of make sure that stuff like that would not happen. And again, mm-hmm. look, the decision wasn't made. But in fairness to Cork, third quarter, when they, they let the hurling do the talking. I mean, Mullins, what a goal. Like, you know, again, he's done it repeatedly in a championship, running from deep. He's pace, he's power. And really, Captain Fantastic, that kind of spearheaded everything. And I mean, like said, Cunningham, guys, you know, just literally Leahy. I heard John Milan post-game, and he could identify very quickly five or six guys here that could actually make the grade or step up to the Cork seniors next year. So, I mean, from that, say, Pat Ryan perspective from Cork, very exciting here to see that conveyor belt of talent. And also, as you say as well, that physicality, you know, that's, you know, that maybe some Cork teams in the past may not have had. Maybe a few of these guys are really primed to really kind of give a bit of a rattle to the senior panel next year. Yeah, in fact, I'm thinking of, of a few of the senior players that, like, what they've lacked is physicality over the years. Tons of hurling, but, you know, lacked the physicality at the real cut and trust of, of a serious championship game. So, yeah, these boys have plenty of it. Um, yeah, and also as well, Ben O'Connor, centre-back, um, he, he was, it was his last game of hurling because he's monster rugby uh, contract and uh, another very physical player but I thought he was excellent as well in the monster club championship there yeah. uh, for Finbar's up against Bellier he was one of the standout performers and you're looking at the age of these guys 
for Finn Bears and they're all like 20 years of age, 21. Like the future is bright there and, and it's good to see from a hurling point of view, the city clubs like coming back again in Cork and, um, you know, going like stronger. Like for a long time, St. Finn Bears were, you know, almost uh, whipping boys in the Cork Championship there for a number of years. So it's good to see the city clubs back strong again. But look again, Mark, at what you mentioned there about the umpires. Like this has come up now maybe week and week. And there's instance that you cannot blame the ref for in a way that they're, he, a ball is struck long, he's 60 years away, an umpire is 10 years away. And they seem very reluctant to get involved. Um, I think it's the fact that sometimes the umpires are guys that the referee knows are right from the locality, but they're not maybe not fully trained referees either. If you had like more so than a linesman, like a linesman doesn't really have, you know, contentious issue might be, uh, as we saw at Liam Cahill, whether somebody's boo touched the ball before it went down. But like, that's just a nice issue as such. I think the umpires, that's where you need your qualified referees, one at either end. To help um because most of the incidents are happening now in around the square their goal mode incidents or the hits are happening when a goal is on a guy is taken out running through from the 20 or 14. i think that's where we need the referee to get his best advice from yeah um not an incident like out over by the sideline where there's a fourth official there as well by the way at one sideline anyway like i i think having qualified referees as linesmen is probably a waste considering what's going on in and, in and around the goal month. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there. I think it's something that they definitely have to review here, and I'd hope they kind of review it. I mean, it's very easy just to basically label it on the referee, but as you say, 65 metres away, balls coming deep into the penalty area or into the square, it's very difficult for that referee to really make an assessment given the split second nature of it. So, look, hopefully it's something that the GA authorities will look at but um, I suppose from an awfully perspective, Dio O'Connor, he's done a magnificent job here, thinking of the minors last year and thinking of the under-20s this year, thinking of the talent that's coming through here. And I mean, this will really stand awfully as well, that this is more motivation for them. I mean, they got through Leinster with that very thrilling win against Wexford. Probably next season is when this team probably are going to be ripe here to actually win it. Like, I mean, it should give them hopefully a bit more fortitude to actually go on, maybe take the step required to get an all-iron crown yeah and we should remember they started off as tier two leinster is, is split into different tiers yeah. based on the perceived strength of the counties involved they started off this championship as tier two so to get all the way to an all-iron final is a massive achievement um leo connor's made some difference in there since he came in um obviously like as well we cannot forget like th- this team uh, i came across them well their minor team from last year at forest level when they were under 14 and already then they had uh, they looked like the makings of a serious team. But for them to be carried all the way through to under seventeen, like they've had good people involved. And sometimes it can happen where, you know, you, you get really good people in in around the successful team. You can you might forget about the next under fourteen starting off and their development. Um you can see it happen with club club level more so, but I'm sure now with with Offaly involved and the facilities they have up at Faithful Fields there and um you, you'd be hoping like that they will have a structure in place so every age group is treated exactly the same. And uh, whether you get two guys off a team or, you know, five, six lads off a team, which might be the case with the present bunch to have, that you like develop each player to his max because you never know. Sometimes it can be a team that doesn't win finals that might, might give you more senior players. Um, even like just say like that Galway minor team, they might be better off in the long run. Like those players now are going to be when they're over the next few years, mad twin in Ireland under 20, bring them closer to senior level, whereas... Sometimes uh, if they had a steamroll through an All-Ireland minor, like it, complacency can set in. Absolutely. And lads you know, can think they're better than they are and forget about working hard. Yeah, no, I think it's the developmental increments here that we're seeing from Offaly here. They've stepped 
last year was no fluke. So, I mean, they've kind of backed it up now with under 20s. So, I think from the O'Connor and the Offaly team, massive motivation again next year to go that one step further. And I mean, I think the lesson here for kind of Offaly is in terms of contributions here. If you look at Cork here, you know, they score 216 from play. I mean, Ben Cunningham scores six frees, but apart from that, like you have Buckley, Leahy with four points each. You have Mullins and Healy with 1 1. You have O'Connell and O'Sullivan, one point each. Obviously, Ben Cunningham scores four from play. Really can't really be depending on maybe a screeny or Ravenhill for the majority of the scores. Now, granted, mm-hmm. likes of Doyle and Rigney do score goals, but again, likes of Charlie Mitchell as well. He's been in that awfully senior panel yeah, as, well. as well. Yeah, exactly. So, using Carmack Egan didn't help them yet. You know, so um, yeah, look, as well as another thing, I think awfully remaining in Joe McDonough, it may not be the worst thing for these players' development. You don't want them making their first senior championship appearance like down in Olin Park in Kilkenny and awfully getting a hiding next year. I think the fact that these players come in and get a taste of senior hurling uh, in a still a very competitive environment and get their year or two, awfully <laughs> hope only one year, but get their year at Joe McDonough. Because remember, uh, a lot of these guys now are eligible for senior hurling next year and another year of strength and conditioning is going to prepare them for that. So I think it might be the best thing that these guys will get a year under their belts before they maybe get into Leinster Championship. Because when, when Offaly hit Leinster Championship in a couple of years, you want them to be you know, really challenging for those three positions, um, Leinster Final or even just third place. Because like as we can see, Wexford and Dublin at the minute you know, are, are shaky. Like um, There is no definites there at the minute. Apart from Galway and Kilkenny, like, that third place at the moment is up for grabs completely. And it won't take much for Athley like to become that in that top three. No, I'd, I'd agree with you there. I think the strength conditioning is probably the key point here, Rory. It's evolving that again, isn't it? It's kind of going to be a multi-year program for Offaly. And you say, if they can get themselves set, like they're going to be Division 1 hurling in the league this year so or next year. So I think that'll be a good barometer for Offaly. They're under 20s, the seniors as well, going into Joe McDonough Cup. So hopefully they can be competitive there. And really, objective really here is to continue the success. I mean, they probably will have regrets for the Joe McDonough Cup final against Carlo, the 24 wides, probably, you know, that's going to take a while to get over. But I think in fairness to the under-20s, they've shown progression again this year. And it's just nurturing the talent here, as you say. So, look, massive congratulations to Cork. The juggernaut has arrived, I think, to be fair. Again, next year, as you say yourself, two years ago, this Cork team juggernaut does the second all-Ireland under 20 in three years. So I think all good there for Cork as well. But look, congratulations to the finalists. I suppose, Rory, we'll talk about the Provincial Senior Hurling Championship final previews. I suppose we'll start with the Gaelic Grounds, 145 on Sunday. El Midwest Classical uh, between uh, Limerick and Clare. I mean, we had the, the wrangle about Parker Keeve. Would it not be Parker Keeve? And then all of a sudden then Clare threw the curveball and said, yeah, let's have him in the Gaelic Grounds. So I suppose, Rory... From your perspective, you must be eagerly looking forward to this as a Clare man after uh, Brown Robin. Yeah, I presume like from the minute we knew it was Clare Limerick, everyone kind of was expecting Thurless after last year. But it was a, the, the whole saga over, over. It was a dramatic 24 hours. But look, w- once it was settled in the Gaelic grounds and I suppose from a lot of Clare supporters point of view, you're thinking like matches on at 145 game over. You can enjoy the Leinster final afterwards. You're not stuck in traffic for three or four hours coming up the road. Um, all due respect to, to radio coverage, but you know, you, you, Leinster final, you want to be able to watch the game as well. And look, um, as we saw earlier in the year when these teams met, and over the last few years, like last year's Munster final, like they serve up epic games. Um, both teams just go at it like when they play each other. Um, so yeah, and there's all these intriguing questions that throw up as well. Like we've seen the damage Tony Kelly has caused time and time again against Limerick. Are they going to 
finally adopt the man marker, which hasn't been the Kinnerk or Kylie way so far. They just believe in the system. And but I think it's maybe come to the time where you might need to put a man marker on Kelly. I think the counties that have had success, you're looking at Mikey Butler from Kilkenny, although I'd blame Claire that day as well for some of the you know the ball they were playing his way or over his head or everywhere but to Kelly. But and also uh, I suppose Kyle Barrett as well up in Ennis, uh, you know, had a bit of success in him too. Um, now other times man markers have been scorched as well. So it's picking the right guy to do it. But I just don't see why you would leave somebody with that, you know, that threat. Um, giving him the freedom of the pitch because he can pop up anywhere. I know they're saying if he pops up in your zone, um, you know, you obviously you you mark him in your zone, but like in the heat of battle, like you're you've enough to be worrying about and keep keeping an eye over your shoulder to see where Tony Kelly is. So um I'd be surprised if they don't change tactics this time and just try and, and nullify him with, with a man marker. But uh look, that's just one of the many questions like uh, involved. Connor Cleary, another one from a clear point of view. Um, we've seen like the tussles he's had with Aaron Gillan over the years. And the one thing I know, Gillan, early in the game, caught the first high ball that came in and set up Flanagan for a goal chance after 10 seconds in the round-robin game. But um, after that, then he didn't really have that aerial. We've seen the damage he can do in the air, especially against Cork there as well. And like, clearly he's very strong in the air and he does like nullify that threat in the air for Gillan. Now, Gillan is still going to be dangerous with the ball in front of him, coming down to a quick low ball and fizzing it over his shoulder. But I'd say like Lohan wouldn't be too disappointed if he picks three or four points off that way once he doesn't catch a high ball and get in for a goal or a penalty. Exactly. Um, so that's a big factor. Uh, word is that Cleary has been training this week, okay. which is a good sign that the dislocation wasn't, let's say, full dislocation requiring, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, like six weeks generally is your, if, if you're not getting surgery, it's a six week in this thing. So obviously the medical team are assessing it and uh, I'm sure it'll be tested early in the game anyway coming in but look it's just it's another thing I think if if Cleary isn't playing like I'm struggling to think of who you then try and put in Galan because like Rory Hayes a different type of cornerback Adam Hogan different type of cornerback they're kind of you're out in front cornerbacks with pace marking your your more nippier corner forward types and uh, Galan just in the air you need a certain type of player just to stop him catching the ball basically and Cleary in fairness like tussled away with him at that and fought in the air so well in every ball. I'd just be worried, have we got another player? I'm trying, struggling to think of who I would put there, but I'm sure like Lohan has his plan B ready in case, you know, clearly doesn't make it or has to cry off earlier, early in the game. But yeah, I'd be, I'd be surprised if there isn't a, a plan B there, but at the same time, having your plan B work is another thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose encouraging news from a clear perspective with Connor Cleary for sure. I suppose does David McInerney take one for the team and come back here? Is there a sweeper that mm-hmm. basically is going to kind of really protect Dave McInerney or maybe an Adam Hogan to kind of negate that? I suppose it's intriguing if Conor Cleary is there. Mm-hmm. Sure, look, <laughs> we know the Milton Melvey man. He's well well up for those uh, duels against Seamus Flanagan and Aaron Galan anyway. Be a major boost for Clare, but I think that'll be intriguing. But you mentioned there about Tony Kelly and man market from Limerick. And as you were talking, I'm just kind of struggling to find a Limerick player that could maybe do that role. I mean, like of Sean Finn is out for injured. And I mean, like so you have likes of Mike Casey, Dan Morrissey. So do you see anyone here in the Limerick team yeah. that could maybe fulfill this role uh, here, Roy? Yeah, well, Barry Nash, as we know, has played a lot of the, he's hard out the field. And when Kelly drifts out, like he'd be comfortable playing out midfield. Like he, he was a forward underage. And when he first came on the senior team, he was a forward as well. Um, so like Barry Nash, you'd imagine, but are Limerick going to lose in the Barry Nash coming out as a third man run off, off sharp puckouts and, and what he brings that way? 
So I think it's a balancing act for Limerick. Do you maybe lose Barry Nash doing that, but nullifying Kelly? Mike Casey is another option as well. Again, though, Mike Casey probably more suited to full back line. And like one thing Lohan does with Kelly, which is kind of interesting, is if if a, a half back is assigned to him, as we saw with um, Massey Lyons, who played a lot of Harlan, mid, you know, midfield yeah. half back at Waterford, then Lohan puts Kelly in corner forward and tries to make a guy play corner back who isn't comfortable playing corner back. A couple of years ago, Cahill, uh, Liam Cahill had Caleb Lyons on Kelly, and Kelly went in top of the left, and Caleb Lyons, like, you know, cornerback probably wasn't a position he was totally. I know he'd played there when he first came on the Waterford team, but we, we know Caleb Lyons is a, a, a kind of marauding wingback, and you're putting the player in in an uncomfortable position. So I, I would envisage if Mike Casey is on Kelly, um, Lohan will try and ask Kelly to drag him out the field and around the place. If, so if Mike Casey fills that role, if it's Barry Nash, then maybe Barry Nash might be able to take up Kelly wherever he goes. But Limerick are going to lose the Barry Nash attacking cornerback exactly. factor, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's kind of uh, it's, there are things they have to think about and weigh up as well. Like uh, it's Grant saying, let's get somebody to mark him. But what happens then is there gaps elsewhere. But I, I would I've said it before and I say it again. I would try and mark him, try and get the right. You know your players best. Um, Kinnerk knows Kelly as well from from coaching him like for years underage and everything with Claire. Surely he might know the kind of guy that would be best to do the role. But I cannot see why Limerick win game after game against Clare and well, one game like he scored fifteen points. Like now I know granted I think seven from play. Like it's and now that he has a bit of a supporting cast, like a good supporting cast, like Aidan McCarthy makes a huge difference there now coming in. You have Shane O'Donnell as well, and then you have Rogers inside. Like Clare have more of a support, and we saw that against Tipperary, where he was held to one point, and yet Clare still scored three twenty three. So, you know, it's it's still an issue, but you you you'd you'd want to like I would think you you have absolutely. to absolutely. And I suppose Rory, from a Clare perspective, what's been your reaction? To the round robin, I know you came on here after the Tipperary last first round, and you were a little bit kind of ominously, you know, feeling going to the Gaelic grounds. Obviously, turned the result around there, magnificent win. But I suppose overall feelings here, you've mentioned in terms of support cast, like Sir Mark Rogers, for instance, and Aidan McCarthy didn't feature last season. So these are big, 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 massive additions here to this Clare attacking side that Limerick will have to take due respect to. Yeah, and just like the whole strength of the squad, Shane Amore, who didn't play last year, back in this year, came out against Cork and did a great job, you know, when Cleary got injured. And, uh, you know, he's the type of player with his pace that can get on the attack and a bit like the Barry Nash style, a backman who will get forward and cause problems at the other end too. Um, so, look, he's another huge addition. So the squad is definitely stronger than last year. And last year as well, Cleary niggling injuries throughout. I know David Reedy, I still don't know what, what his prognosis is. He'd be another boost if he's back fit again, but he might feature at some stage in the championship. Um, Shane Meehan as well who hasn't I thought would get a bit more game time this year he's kind of coming in for the last 10 minutes of games um, Aaron Shanahan very effective when he came in so there's definitely strength and depth there that's what they're going to need against Limerick because the thing would be like as we've seen with a lot of teams against Limerick when they got to that like 55th minute um, teams begin to wilt a bit but having a strong bench to come in like keeps keeps the effort going um, still like a couple of things like uh, we mentioned uh, Kelly I know Kelly has got more support in cast but if anything happened to Kelly um, how would Claire respond? Same with John Conlon. We saw against Kilkenny. Um, you know, things didn't go so well when, when John Conlon was unable to play. So he's such a vital role in the Clare team. And another, the biggest unsung hero for me is Colin Malone. Like he's the most consistent player in the team um, himself. And 
Will O'Donoghue and the Limerick team, they're like they're both engines yeah. of, of both teams. They're that they're that guy who will chase 40 yards back and just be that extra body back that sometimes goes unnoticed. And then very good link man as well and can take on a guy, loves to run at guys and break the tackle and get you know, get the defense on the back foot, the opposition defense on the back foot. So yeah, um for me that'll be an interesting tussle again, midfield. Um I thought last year Claire kind of Ryan Taylor and Colin Malone in the Munster final had the better of the 70 minutes. And I thought Limerick swung Limerick's way in the extra time. I thought Limerick got a grip in the extra time at midfield. Um, so with the games just being, we, we know now how the middle third is just, you know, it's basically you're winning and losing of the game. And uh, yeah, you're you're just kind of looking forward and intrigued by the battle that's going to take place there. Absolutely. On and I think if you alluded to it, the middle third, that's where Limerick's platform is. It has been there for repeatedly for the last five, six seasons. And to be perfectly fair to the likes of Dermot Burns, Declan Hannon here, Kyle Hayes, they really did step up, uh, particularly against Cork in that fantastic last round-robin fixture. But again, the likes of the Dara Donovans, the Will O'Donoghue's really did come to the fore here, um, Rory. And uh, I think for Limerick to be successful on Sunday afternoon, that half-back in midfield really need to set the platform early here and really establish this run game. Yeah, and Kyle Hayes looked more back to his himself there. Like, he, he hadn't been at his strongest form going through the Munster Championship, but in the last game against Cork, he looked back to himself, was getting on the front foot again, attacking-wise. Um, whereas, you know, uh, not only can he defend and is strong in the air, but just what he gives to Limerick going forward too um, is huge. And uh, just as well, like what Limerick again will try and do is try and drag a half-back line around and create space inside. And we saw like against any team, Tipperary managed to do that against Clear Up and Ennis. I know apart from the soft goals, but also they were able to create like that 30, 40 yards of space in front of the Clear half-back line, in front of the Clear full-back line, tip full forward line. And look, it was that day you had... Um, in, inside you, Jason Ford and Morris, who did damage inside, like, and you're just kind of thinking if clearly that space again in front of Flanagan and Galan. And last year, Munster final, let's not forget that Flanagan ended up scoring seven points from play. He did. And yeah. uh, just again, it's so hard to defend that space in front. So it's something I thought Claire did a good bit better against Cork at times. We got our half back line sitting that bit deeper, cut off that space. But again, at times, Cork were able to find, like, we saw a perfect example was um, Horgan's goal in the second half. Where there was that gap, you know, and, and look for for the whole game, you are going to get your half back line dragged out at some stage, but it's just for for the opposition to be able to, you know, see that moment and uh, go for that long ball when that happens. Something clear as well. I've been looking to do themselves, like we saw Peter Duggan in a full forward against Cork being hit with direct ball from distance has worked as well, and it's just both teams are like kind of similar in how they're set up in that they can both hit long when they have to. Both of them they're trying to sit their half back lines. Like Dermot Ryan gets forward for Clare, like Kyle Hayes does for um, Limerick. They're actually like in some ways are very similar in how they set up and how they play. And maybe look, it is a bit of the Canark factor. I know he's been gone from Clare for a good few years, but a lot of these guys have you know gone through um, underage with him, and they kind of mirror each other in how they do. Like both teams don't ever really set up with a sweeper, and they'll sit their centre back deep. And what I what I love about them, especially in the last two championship games, they just have a cut at each other, like, and yeah. that's what fans want to see. It's not negative. It's not we'll stop Limerick playing or we'll stop Clare playing. It's you know we, we'll go and we'll obviously there is an element to that, but it's we're going to go out and we're going to score go you know we're going to score more than you as well. Is a is a you know it, and that's kind of the way Harlan should be, and it's the way we want to see games. Absolutely, I think it's healthy rivalry. <laughs> Look at all the relationships between Limerick and Clare down through the years. You know, Shannon Airport. You know, even the industrial estate. 
the banter that would be going on there on Monday after the game. So I think it's all leading like to even it. in management teams. Yeah, exactly. you have uh, Aidan O'Brien, who's uh, Limerick's S- uh, sorry Clare's SNC uh, coach, whose uh, son is on the Limerick panel, Shane O'Brien. So yeah. like, because even that close, you've uh, Alan Cunningham with Limerick, whose son Aaron has played with Clare oh. and still playing at Wolf Tones. Like, so there's these links. Uh, so Alan Cunningham being from Shannon, and then you have Angus O'Brien from Broadford. Uh, Owen Gunning just brought back the Alerna Minor, and then Angus would be trying to like stop Clare winning the the Munster Senior, you know. So exactly. um, between both counties, you've guys either side. James Moore, as you know, mm. involved with Clare as well. So look, even on management teams, there's with counties being so close together, and um, just having that that cross. It, it, and it's not even amongst fans. Like Limerick people are working in Clare, Clare people like myself working in Limerick, and uh, you know relationships and families, everything. It even is. It, involved with the players and management too so exactly just makes it all the more intriguing yeah so many storylines but i suppose before we get to leinster the one key i'm thinking of in terms of limerick is this limerick half forward line unit i mean there's being a bit of an inconsistent performance on the unit apart from maybe tom Orsey here rory there has been issues in terms of the balance and maybe the dominance here uh particularly a gear old Hegarty here keen lynch no cohan neil came in against cork and particularly that round robin game against Clare, where John Conlon man of the match. Do you see Limerick evolving here a little bit? I mean, the question mark here probably is Keane Lynch going to start? Is it Cahill O'Neill? But I think that's going to be an intriguing subplot here in terms of how Paul Knurk and John Coyley and the management of Limerick really try to get the key players, uh, Hegarty's, and uh, Keane Lynch as well, if he does come on to make that a game winning cameo. Yeah, and it's one thing that I suppose, in a way, Limerick um, with team selection have become slightly predictable. And it's the way that they're saying, this is how we set up. We're the best team. Um, you need to come and beat us kind of way. And we, we won't like change things for anyone. But I just think every now and again, it's no harm to throw in a wild card, a different... Like, what about having Keane Lynch as your, like, doing the Peter Casey role, or drifting out the field as your name him a corner forward, put Flanagan out to wing forward, just something a bit different. Hegarty in around the square for a bit. Just mix it up slightly because... Um, it's almost like for, for the last few few games, and we saw it with Davy Fitz as well when they he, he basically kind of knew what way Limerick were going to set up, and then you could set up and get your matchups and everything else because Limerick rarely do the they just they play as they play, and you don't really get those shocks. And the shock might be one or two in team selection, like Keane Lynch not starting the last day, and a player coming like Colin Neal starting instead, who had started a lot of the the championship matches anyway, wasn't really you know a shock as such with Keane Lynch's uh, form coming back from from his injury. But in terms of um, players positioning on the pitch, like it, it, you could nearly like you could nearly like predict right now where the Limerick, if you were given the fifteen Limerick players, where they're going to be playing. Whereas maybe for I think for maybe once they're final, it might be time for Limerick to like cause a bit of a shock and maybe start things up in the in, in terms of where they place their forwards. Like um, whatever about um, if Connor Cleary is um, if Connor Cleary in terms of injury with his shoulder, then like having Hegarty in at the edge of the square. To start the game or something like that, you know, it it'll give some, Claire something to think about early on when they've made plans for, you know, maybe Galant to be right in the edge of the square. Just something a bit different. I don't know, and it's something that I I'm wondering like maybe now that uh, teams like the gap has closed that Limerick are going to start maybe trying to like mix it up a bit more. Certainly, I mean, you know, it'll all be revealed at one forty five on Sunday. But again, with the Limerick perspective, the shot selection, the wide count, 
They beat Cork with 57% shot accuracy, which I thought was an unbelievable stat on the day. Cork was at 77% and still lost mm-hmm. that game. So I think, you know, from a Limerick perspective, if their shooting can improve a little bit more here, Rory into the 70s, I think they have a fantastic chance. I suppose, uh, Rory, can we get you a tip here in terms of Munster Hard Final? Who, who, who do you fancy? Yeah, so, like, I suppose, if you, obviously, if you look at success of Limerick and uh, the, the All-Irelands and Munster Championships, but then when you just take all that out of it and just go Clare versus Limerick, and let's say since the Kylie Canark years, so 2017, uh, Clare beat Limerick, 2018, Clare beat Limerick, 2019, Limerick beat Clare, 2020 was when the COVID game in Turles, okay. teams were level with 10 minutes to go, Limerick pulled away, I think one by eight or nine in the end, um, and then last year we had the draw in Ennis, draw again in Tarlis, and then Clare beat them this year. So if you're looking at just Clare Limerick as a one-off, forget about trophies and championships, like there's nothing in the games. And I don't see why there's going to be, I mean, you can never predict a hurling game, whether it be a red card or a couple of goals that could like create a gap in it. But look, from uh, on everything we have gone into it, there shouldn't be absolutely nothing between the teams. I just think that Clare now, with, especially if Conor Cleary is fit to play, um, and just as I mentioned, the overall... Um, healthiness of the squad, very few injuries. You look at Tipperary, who are you know, still shattered with injuries. And apart from David Reedy aside as well, like Clare have a, a you know a huge squad to pick from. Uh, I just think that this year could be our year. The fact we've already gone to the Gaelic rounds and won there has to be a, a confidence booster for them. And then you think about it from the other side and you think, uh, when was the last time a team lost the provincial final at home? And you're going back a long way, like... Um, I was struggling to think there. I think you're going back into 80s for a team to have lost the provincial final at home. I think um, right. yeah. Yeah, so look, it, it 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 is going to be a hard one to do. And if Clare can beat Limerick in the Gaelic Crowns the Munster final, like they really have to be, you know, setting their sights then on the ultimate prize. But look, one game at a time, if they can win this one, considering the Munster Championship we've had, like everyone agrees, that's possibly the greatest Munster Championship we've ever seen. And to come out champions of it at the end, it would just be a huge card for whatever team does it. If Limerick win, it kind of, um, you know, cements their standing as one of the greatest teams we've seen, um, especially with the competitiveness of Munster to keep coming out at the right end of it. If Clare win, it really puts them in there and kind of shows that if they can do it, that despite Limerick's, you know, dominance, it's Clare were still able to stand toe-to-toe to them when they met the greatest Limerick team of all time would, you know, it's a moral, it's a moral victory for us so far that we've been able to to be competitive with Limerick when other counties have gone out and like folded in, in big games against them. We want the trophy now at the same time. And I just have a sneaky feeling that I think based on what we've seen from Clare so far, and I think they've been getting stronger as well through the championship. I thought the game up in Ennis, Clare performed really well in parts. Like there was a period where they went one six to a point where they just dominated Cork. And uh, to be honest as well, I thought Cork, the one point at the end, kind of didn't really tell the whole story. If you were looking at stats, Clear had, had, you know, the lot more shots. Again, it was a bit like the Limerick one where percentage wasn't as high as it should have been. So Clear will be working at that. Both teams are kind of coming in with a similar things to work on as well. You're looking at that shot selection and percentage uh, shots to score. Both teams are, are working at that. Puckouts as well have been uh, for both teams. Not as strong for Limerick as, as usual. I think teams have kind of gotten to grips with what Limerick have been trying to do, hitting the space and puckouts and adjusting to that. It was a strength. Limerick had a huge advantage over teams the last few years. The stats always nearly went to Limerick's favour on puckouts, but this year it's more of an even break. So yeah, so look, I'm kind of rambling a small bit here, but essentially I do think Clare might win by, by a point or two. Look, I'll, I'll go the other side. I think Limerick, once the full-time whistle hit against Cork, it was bonus territory. 
they survived. They were getting into the top three in Munster. And as Tom Morrissey eloquently put it, the excitement in the dressing room once they found out the Tipperary Waterford result to get into a Munster Hurland final was an absolutely exceptional surprise to them. So I think, to be honest, I think that the squad have been buoyed by that. And I think that the, the performance tweaks here have been fairly significant here from Limerick, you know, in terms of the shot selection, that is still a work in progress. God help us when they do get it right here, Rory, because if they do, they're creating the 45, 49 chances and getting a 70, 80% percentage here. I don't think too many teams are going to really be there. Uh, with them, but I mean, from a Clare perspective, look, they've come to the Gaelic grounds, they've really honed in on particularly the half forward line of Limerick and really kind of suffocated that the possession inside to Fanagan and Galan. That'll be fascinating. Watch, look, <laughs> the fact that it's on a 145 would indicate to me that <laughs> the powers that be reckon that this will be going right down to the wire. I wouldn't be all surprised if there's extra time here. Rory generally do, hopefully, it doesn't go penalties, but again, look. Clear of every chance, don't they? I mean, it's really up to Limerick now to again respond. So, look, they're the champions in Munster. So, look, you'd have to kind of give them the hesitant vote. But, look, I don't think there's anything in it. And I think the likes of Dermot Ryan from Clare is going to have to play a huge role here. He came out with four points from play against Cork about three weeks ago. Really, man of the match mm. performance. He needs to do that as well. He really needs to put that Limerick half forward line on the back foot for minute one. So, if that happened, then I think, you know, Clare is uh, to win, really. But I think it'll be a fantastic occasion. Yeah, I'm going to hedge at Limerick. But again, I don't think there's anything in between these sides. I really don't. I suppose, uh, Rory, before we go, the Leinster Senior Hurling final, if the excitement that we think is going to be there in the Gaelic grounds, we then have uh, the premiere of Leinster Senior Hurling final between Kilkenny and Galway. And I suppose, Rory, in contrast to Munster, where every game has been excitement-laden, for the two teams that are coming into Leinster Hurland final here, there's a few questions to ask on both these sides, given their performance in the last round of the Leinster round robin, I suppose. Can I get your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, like at the very start of the championship, we all said, I think everybody in the country said it's going to be a goal with any Leinster final, and so it's transpired. But maybe not as... Um, you know, as confidently as we thought, especially with the last rounds, like we had Galway's horrific performance in the first half, like where it was just a horror show against Dublin. And we were just kind of commenting if that had happened to them against a stronger team, no disrespect to Dublin here, but a team that had been the stronger end of championships with a bit more experience in Dublin, like you don't come back from that. No. Look, all credit to them that they fought and got their way back there. But at one stage, with, with a few minutes to go, Dublin were in the Leinster final because they would have had the head-to-head in Galway. And at that stage, Kilkenny were beating Wexford. So... That would have put uh, Dublin into a Leinster final. So they were very close to getting in there and Galway being out of it based on, on the level of their first half performance. I still have doubts about some of these Galway players. And I've, I know I've been on about this before. Like Connor Cooney, for me, goes missing at big moments in big games. I thought he went missing against Dublin. Um, like For me, he still has to like prove himself as a real leader. We were talking about last year who stepped in for Joe Canning. And he was kind of on everybody's lips that he'd have to step up now. For me, he still hasn't done that. Like Tons of ability. As we've seen, beautiful striker, the ball. I think Galway, more so than Kilkenny, Galway need to stand up and Shefflin needs to see who his leaders are here because we know Kilkenny and the Leinster finally are not going to get anything easy from them. Like, And they will, again, there was always a thing where Cody did not want to see the cup going out of Leinster. Um, there was a famous Anthony Daly recalls a speech where he came in and after Dublin beat Kilkenny in the semi-final and said, whatever you do, don't let that cup get out of Leinster. So again, that's going to be a huge motivation for Kilkenny, I'm sure. Um, Ling will be bringing that through as well. Look, it's all the talk is about the Munster final, but it could be an absolutely cracking game, and I think it will be. Galway are slight favourites in the bookies. I actually see Kilkenny here. For me, 
Kilkenny were going down to Wexford Park in a scenario where Wexford had to win. Wexford had no fear of Kilkenny as well. And Kilkenny like still blitzed them with goals and everything else. But when Wexford backs to the wall and everything else, and the fact that you know that they they're still in Wexford's hands to stay up based on on results going going elsewhere like that. Uh, I thought like Kilkenny maybe like they had already been they were already more or less qualifying the Leinster final like so I I would give Kilkenny more of a pass than Galway and the performance the last day and I think Kilkenny for me are going to be a team to beat and I see Kilkenny maybe winning this one nothing really in it maybe Kilkenny by two three points yeah I think it's put up or shut up time for Galway and Henry Shefflin and his managerial reign if he doesn't get a tune out of this team this year I think there's serious doubts here in Galway whether he would stay on for a third year if I'm being brutally honest I think you know from a Galway perspective that first half showing against Dublin fell well below the standard but you could see some bad habits creep in particularly Antrim here in Salt Hill where I went there was an awful lot of bad sloppy passing granted Antrim were well beaten on the day but they did I think they scored at least 114 from turnover ball which I think emanated in that first half performance against Dublin. They were not at the pitch of the game. It was when they went basically man for man and pushed up on the Dublin puck out and denied Burke the half back from Dublin, uh, a good good ball source, that they really did get anything in that third quarter. So I think, look, it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance. The two goals that they gave away were just, what can you say? Like, you know, it was just, you know, goalkeeping misjudgment. But then <laughs> a cornerback then basically p- passing a ball straight across his own goal. Something that you're told is another right not to do. He does and looks like tough scores. So I think the resilience is there. But I think there is, as you say, a question marks. Connor Whelan here has been in and out. You know, he's been very prominent against the Westmeads, the Antrims. But again, Dublin stifled him massively. Mm-hmm. Brian Cannon for me, is an inside forward. I think, if anything, for Galway, it was that they tried O'Loughlin in at corner four. Didn't work. He's an impact sub, I think, this year. But I think Brian Kincannon, for his pace, his mobility, I think he provides that foil for Conor Whelan particularly. So, look, I think from a Kilkenny perspective, look, that Wexford game, it was an absolute classic. But, like, you're looking at that game, you had Mikey Butler, you had Mossy Keown, you had Adrian Mullen coming off with injuries. So, I mean, it's touch and go whether one or two of them don't make this team. And I still think there's question marks. I mean, there was a bit of shadow boxing going on in Nolan Park, I know, in round two, but... Again, Galway ripped through that Kilkenny full back line, you know, at times. You know, own own Murphy in goal, superb. You know, he's produced two or three great saves, particularly in that opening half. Could have really opened the game up. So I think for both sides here, they're going to have to show their hand because the loser here, Rory, gets into an All-Ireland quarterfinal against conceivably Tipperary, like, you know, if they get through Offaly, which, to be honest, it's kind of a banana skin fixture for any of these vanquished uh, provincial finalists here in Leinster so I think for myself Galway should I edge it to Galway probably will probably will regret it after about 40 minutes here when I see TJ Reid probably taking on points here to go five six seven points up but I do remember last year that Shefflin Cody I was at a stag party in Kilkenny and we we're in Clears Bar and literally you know the side of Galway in a Leinster hurling final Kilkenny picked up the intensity you know, man-to-man, the work rate for the full 74, 75 minutes. So, look, I'm going to edge it to Galway, but I think they're going to have to perform to a level that they haven't done so far with Henry Shefflin, to be perfectly fair. Is there any matchups here, uh, Rory, that you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I'm just thinking, is there an element of, like, Conor Whelan makes the Galway forward line tick, and our team's, like, setting out to, let's, let's completely, as we saw with Dublin, let's nullify Conor Whelan and see, like, 
like are you halfway there then because you mentioned Brian Concanon like hasn't like set the championship alight at all by any means um, this year uh, Joseph Cooney the last day was the man who stood up for Galway when they needed him and if it wasn't for him because he got five points in the first half when they were being destroyed everywhere else kept them in the game so there, there were even though there were 12 points behind that was still you know in a hurling match you're still just about in touching distance and um, you're looking at Joseph Cooney out at midfield uh, you know do, doing a lot of that scoring for you so the forward line really let Galway down in that first half as well um, look it, it's 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 a question for me like are Kilkenny going to um, I, I presume you're not going to put your Mikey Butler on on Connor Whelan because it maybe the physicality mismatch there. Mikey Butler would probably pick up um, Nyland, Evan Nyland, and and do maybe a, a man marking job as he did at Tony Kelly last year. So that'd be one matchup you'd see. And you're looking then for you know to counter um, Whelan's physicality. But look from from a goal point of view, it's as you said, like there's there's a lot of question marks over some of these guys that turn it on one day, turn it off the next day, and like to be a successful team as we've seen with. With Limerick, you just need and Kilkenny, of course, that that great Kilkenny team um, from the last decade. It's just consistency of performance. You have to go out every every day and give a performance. You can't just, you know, score two twelve against Westmead and then score one point against Dublin or one point against Kilkenny. There has to be a certain level of performance you bring all the time. And uh, granted, you're going to have the bag game every now and again, but like to be doing it every second match is up and down. It's just and for Henry Shefflin, like he must be scratching his head because every time I say he he finishes a game and he writes out his fifteen for the next match. The next match it changes again based on on some of the poor performances he's getting there it's just unpredictability of, of Galway at the minute and we saw that last year as well where they were very fortunate to be Cork I thought um and then suddenly then they, they produce a, an almighty performance against Limerick and maybe like with a bit more experience coming down the stretch with some of their shot selections could have got over the line that day and then you'd be talking we'll be talking about Galway's uh in an All-Ireland final so uh look they, they need to get a bit more consistent, perfect opportunity now to lay down a marker. But I just kind of fear that I, I just don't know until they convince me that they can do that. I'm just going to have to go with Kenny. I, I can see why, to be perfectly honest, or Galway are an enigma at times. But look, it's a massive opportunity for both sides. Get a win here. They're 70 minutes away from an All-Ireland Hurling final. They avoid the landmine, which will be the All-Ireland quarterfinal against a Tipperary who will be, you know, well, I shouldn't even say it because look, they have to play off league. On, on Sunday week in Tullamore. So, I mean, look, there'll be a team battle hard and coming through that. So, look, I think it's a massive opportunity. Hopefully, there'll be fireworks there, uh, Rory. Um, so, you're going Kilkenny. I'll go Galway. I'm based in Galway. So, <laughs> I need to, you know. Uh, well, I'm based in your reckon. I'm still going clear. <laughs> I know, exactly. So, that's it. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think there'll be two exciting games. And I think from Galway, the midfield setup as well, like Sig Glennon here, uh, particularly, um, they, these guys have to bring it. Monaghan as well. You know, he mm. needs to come in with three, four points here. Joseph yeah. Cooney was outstanding, I thought. He has to continue that form as well. I think for Galway, an awful lot of things have to go right on the day. Because, you know... Yeah, the talent is definitely there, though. Like you mentioned, Tom Monaghan, yeah. he was excellent last year. These guys find form. And, you know, but I'm just kind of based on what I've seen so far. And, it, like, there's a, like here's the question. Galway have potential to win that Ireland. Like, that's... You can easily say... It. I don't think any team coming from from Munster like could take Galway lightly in any shape or form, but it's potential. You see, you're not getting consistency. So yeah, look, I'd agree with you there. Like it just needs to come now. It needs to come. Look, you can look at the full back line as well. TJ Brennan started against Dublin, whipped off half time. Unfortunately, you know Jack Reedish comes on from Gort. So like to be fair, there's enough of a top chopping and changing here, and but I think the two teams are going to have to kind of take take the gloves off here. They need. They need to deliver performance here because 
coming from that other side, the Munster Senior Hurling final is going to be a high caliber game. They need to issue the statement of intent that Leinster have a genuine side here that will contend for all Ireland honours. So look, I think that'll be a very exciting game. I suppose Rory, it's been a lengthy one tonight, but many thanks for coming on the live show. I suppose next week, look, we'll have a review. Hopefully we'll have Kieran and James back to really kind of review the provincial finals, where we set in terms of the prelim qualifiers as well. Now, look, Carlo entertaining Dublin, awfully entertaining Tipperary. So I think we'll review them as well. Is there a potential shock in one of these games, really? And that's kind of leading on into our quarterfinal form guide, really, essentially. So until then, Rory, thanks very much. Enjoy the game. I'll probably see you down in Limerick anyway for a few points before and after. But uh, until then, have a great great time. See You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles, and reports.